0: Hello and welcome everyone to the very first episode of Summit K-12's uh, Educator Stories series. Um, we are very excited to have our first uh, educator, uh, Dr. Liz Garza-Garcia. Um, Liz, if you could start by just telling the audience a little bit about yourself and then we'll start to into your story.
1: Wonderful. Well, I'm Dr. Liz Garza-Garcia. I am in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and I have I was born and bred here in dallas Worth. so. An educator
0: for a number of years and now administrator? Yes,
1: going, I'm celebrated my 16th year in education um, this past May, so um, I'm 17 coming up. (laughs) didn't realize what month we're in. Next month we'll be 17, so yes, excited.
0: Perfect, and so we like to start at the beginning. Um, You're an accomplished educator and administrator now, but uh, where did your education journey begin um, in um, your childhood?
1: Thanks. Well, let's see. Um, I was born on the hottest summer in Dallas, which is known as the 1980 heat wave, and so I already came with a plethora of of just I'm taking over. Obviously, I think I'm the one who brought that. So um, that was in the 80s. I grew up. Um, I was um, born to a very young mother, so um, she was beginning her path to start um, becoming an adult and um, making um, something of herself. So she went um, off to UT Austin to go start her college uh, career and um, I was raised by my grandmother um, who grew up in the early 60s. So she grew up with a mindset of you can't speak Spanish. Um, because she grew up in a time where there were signs that said no dogs, no Mexicans. So she definitely did not want anybody um, learning Spanish or speaking Spanish because she had grown up in a society where it just wasn't valued. Um, So automatically, I just knew English. However good thing. I did learn all the bad words in Spanish.
0: Right. So
1: I grew up uh, knowing all of that. So um, kind of in a nutshell, my childhood of just, um, you know, I had uh, my language uh, of my culture taken from me. But that's only because in the society that the generations before me were forced to go through.
0: And that's a common story we hear with a lot of um, uh, educators and administrators in a certain age range um, that um, we take for granted uh, a lot of the progress that we have today uh, from the generations before. Um, So despite that, what sparked your passion for education and to get into teaching?
1: Love it. So I come from a family um, of educators. My, um, not in my immediate family, but my grandmother's brothers um, went and became educated, became teachers themselves. So teaching has, had always been there. Um, not only that, when you um, are um, in, in the culture, you're, you're teaching your kids. That's just what you're doing. So my grandmother taught us inadvertently how to cook. Um, because, you know, in her mind, if you knew how to cook, you could get married. And that's just how it was, right? Um, and her mother before her, she had nine kids, so she taught all of her kids what she needed to teach. And um, so it, just education is in Just This is what it is. You, you learn what you learn. And um, what I found um, in teaching, trust me, you will have people who know me um, going in, in my early years of going to uh, college, Tell you, oh, Liz never wanted to be a teacher. That's not, that's not. Now, please understand, that was Lizzie. She, she's She's. she gone now. That's, she's that's, grown up. Yeah, she's grown up a <clears throat> lot. <laughs> and um, really, um, I had the opportunity in junior college to mentor uh, newcomers. Um, that was a job. I needed a job. Um, I couldn't afford a lot of stuff. So this was a great job that worked around my college hours. Um, and I got to be in an inner city middle school. Um, working in algebra, um, working math eight. Um, and my job was to go into the classroom and do one-on-one tutoring for newcomers. And um, I remember being in that classroom and the teacher just kept talking louder to the students and moving them closer to him and just kept speaking louder. And I'm like, what is his deal? Like, What's going on here? And I remember him getting into the face of one of the students and telling him, you understand what I'm saying, right? And the student was just nodding. In compliance. Right. And then when I took the student outside of the classroom to the library to go do the tutoring, the student told me in Spanish, you know, he was like uh, telling me, he's like, that teacher's crazy. I already know all that stuff. I just don't speak English. Yep. And I realized, like, that's where I need to be. I need to not only just be a teacher, um, but to be a bilingual teacher.
0: So. I love it. And so now what has taken you from being a teacher and a bilingual teacher into administration into eventually the president of being DFW? Thank
1: you. So um, really it, it went from uh, being in the bilingual classroom and seeing the um, inequities that are being masked as equitable education opportunities. Um, Lack of resources. um, uh, Lack of having an administrator who also uh, walks the walk of a bilingual teacher. That's mainly what pushed me over the edge, really. Um, I was being evaluated and I was told by my monolingual administrator that um, my classroom was too chaotic. Um, but in a bilingual classroom, a good, thriving bilingual classroom, ha- the kids have ownership of it. Um, the kids are allowed to speak in, um, in, any, in any language that they feel comfortable doing. And um, my monolingual principal o- only saw that as chaotic um, and wrote me up. That was the first time I was ever written up. I'm like, what? Since college. Exactly. <laughs> and so I was um, a, I was scared. Like, I don't get written up. And um, I went to my bilingual director, and she goes, oh, it's okay. You know, every now and then a teacher gets written up. It, it doesn't, nothing happens. And I was like, okay, that, that doesn't suit well for me. Yeah. I have to rebuttal. <laughs> and so I did, um, and it it actually just made the situation bigger. Um, and so really, it, it just kept pushing me to just be like, no, this is unfair. Uh, then I want to be reevaluated by a bilingual evaluator. Um, and it just kept going, escalating there. And then I realized that, you know what, I'm not the only teacher that has to deal with this. Um, so I moved. I went and um, decided to go into administration um, to, to be that administrator I never had. And um, it was just, it, it had been amazing to be able to do that. I did it um, on an instructional coaching um, opportunity where I got to coach other bilingual teachers got to be that voice for them that sometimes they could not speak up for themselves, Um, saw what others may see as chaotic, I saw as a thriving classroom, Um, uh, saw the great things that they were doing, and praised them for the great things they were doing. On top of the work no one saw that they were doing, like translating documents, translating for parents, making phone calls for teachers who couldn't communicate, doing all the extra busy work that gets overlooked all the time, and I was making sure that they knew that they were appreciated for doing things like that. So it just um, really, I, I just needed to be the person I never had as an administrator.
0: I love that you wanted to be the change that you wanted to see in the system, and you've been able to have an amazing impact. Uh, and now you've taken it even a step further and uh, getting your doctorate. Uh, talk to us about that uh, journey, and uh, I'm sure it was long, many hours, um, and a little bit about your dissertation because I think it really does uh, kind of bring your career full circle.
1: Gotcha. So I, I mentioned, you know, um, having the write-up and all of that, which that's what, that's what steered me. Um, I remember telling my mom, who was also in education at this time, um, explaining to her like, this is unfair. You know, uh, you know uh, I need, I need riots. <laughs> um, uh, this is, this shouldn't be happening to me. And she told me, she's like, no one's going to listen to you until you have the initials in front of your name. And I was like, challenge accepted.
0: (laughs) She knew how to motivate Exactly.
1: And so um, I uh, looked very long and hard for what institution I wanted to go to. I didn't want it just to be anywhere. Mm -hmm. It was very important to me that I picked um, an institution that um, was going to give me the opportunity to specifically only look at bilingual, multilingual programming. I didn't want to just go anywhere. I I definitely didn't want my um, doctorate to be only in um, educational leadership. I Mm -hmm. knew I could be a great leader. I needed um, a a better, more secure foundation in how to incorporate that piece of my life into bilingual, multilingual programs. And so um, when I decided on Texas A&M Commerce, um, at the time, uh, they had just opened up a grant for um, uh, uh, areas in education that have a shortage, math, science, bilingual, special ed. Um, and so I was like, that's the school, that's where I need to be. Um, and so from the second I got there, they were like, what do you think your topic wants to be? It was going to be on um, uh, translated documentation for, uh, for, for school to home communication for, for dually served students um and got onto it it was it was great i loved it um but that voice inside me like remember remember the challenges you had as a teacher and there are others like you who aren't getting heard who are being overlooked teachers bilingual teachers specifically were leaving the classrooms way too early than they needed to and it was when you read the articles when you talk, when I was talking to my friends who had left the classroom I was like why why in a majority I was not supported my administrator did not support me my team didn't support me didn't exactly support.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and there was just still outlining the same inequities I was seeing from having to translate materials to yeah they bought me all the books I needed in English but there was nothing in Spanish for my kids so I'm reading Reading them a book that I'm translating while they're seeing words in English it's it's not equitable um and just these things like wow I have had been already been out of the classroom for like six years at this point um at, as an administrator and I'm like how is this not fixed and so I realized that uh, my turn needed to be in um Looking at um, how evaluators provide feedback to their bilingual teachers, whether they are bilingual or monolingual, mm-hmm. and that's what got me onto my track to write um, the um, evaluators' feedback perspectives from bilingual educators. So it, it was it was a fun um, opportunity. It took me down paths I didn't know. Um, uh, and it really opened my eyes to see that now at the time I was done, I'd been in the classroom for now 10 years. Um, that nothing really has changed and things have started to open up. More inequities have begun to open up and and um, just be masked with, oh, everything's great. You got new books, you got you got a whole new um software to use. Everybody has a, a laptop now. Everybody has a laptop one on one, La la la. everything's great. And then, you know, I think if anything, the pandemic showed us no, it's not. No, it's not. So I was just really proud that um, I was able to do that. And I had the support of my um, university to push through it because I did have a member on my committee who was like, I don't see how that's important. Hmm. So it was wonderful when I was able to defend and I was done with it. And that same committee member said, Liz, you're going to start a movement with this. Like, this is amazing. And I was like, thank you. Like, Thank you. It is. It is. Hopefully I'm going to be able to let other bilingual teachers um, see the importance of this so that they can um, stand up for themselves. They can hopefully shine light on the inequities that they're facing so that not so much so they can walk away or have an excuse as to, um, for uh, results, but that they can see. Let's try this initiative. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, then we need to try another. Mm -hmm. Just like we do for general education, we need to also do the same caliber for bilingual.
0: Absolutely. And what advice would you have for those administrators, bilingual or not bilingual, to better support and to be that system we need them to be for our bilingual educators?
1: Awesome. Um, So if you're in a district that has a um, great bilingual um, program, a great multilingual program director, um, ask for those PDs for your campus to become more culturally competent. Um, Because a a thriving bilingual program, whether it's at the campus level or at the district level, does not happen only or should not happen only on the shoulders of the administrator. It needs to be a campus-wide effort. So though your um, general ed teachers may feel they are not but bilingual teachers, every student is still their student, Mm -hmm. just as um, bilingual teachers see every student as their students. So ask for those PDs. Go and um, become involved with your um, local bilingual association um, within your area. Um, You can start at TABE.org. Um, And they will show you where your affiliate is so you can be a part of them. And if you um, are are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area or any region 7 through 11, you can always go to beamdfw.org and get in contact with us. We um, stream virtually our meetings. We get together. We have a network of, of people who we can post any question within our own Facebook, um, Twitter pages, anything, and you will get a multitude of responses because we are just a very close net network that just wants to see others thrive. And we know the advice, the, the, the friendship that we build within one another elevates others that in turn elevates our students and that's all that's the whole purpose of us
0: yeah, and I've seen firsthand the support system It's not uh, just the school or the district, but the whole bilingual ESL community comes together But you have to get in the game exactly
1: exactly yeah. you have to want that
0: um Give us some good news. Give us some hope. We always like to end uh, every episode with, you know, things are, you know, tough and the pandemic has shown a lot more light on past inequities and current inequities. Mm -hmm. But what is being done and why are you hopeful for the future?
1: Well in Texas specifically there is lots of great things happening especially when it comes to the acceptance of, of um, dual language programming um, you know you've probably heard you know central uh, Texas is the central location when it comes to dual language programming yet all the research is coming out of the West Coast which is California um, Arizona all over there um, however, the action is happening here in Texas and so the great hope is that, you know, we're going to be the mecca. This is this is what we're all striving for. Every single district that has a thriving dual language program um, is is all fighting for. Our- all trying to reach the same exact place. And that's the Mecca of dual language um, programming um, in this state. So the hope is that everybody is, has that same vision. And if we are all working toward that same vision, it will come to be. So um, that's really the biggest thing and in in hopes that even if um, you don't come from a language, you don't come from a house or household that, you know, doesn't speak a different language other than English, you'll want to, that's the whole thing. You'll want to.
0: I love it. And we, we're going to come full circle here. You mentioned the support of your university and that important support. Uh, talk about the support of your family, uh, immediate family, your mother, grandmother. What what would they say from where you started, where Lizzie started, and and where you, where she is today, and how you how did they help make this dream possible?
1: Gotcha. So definitely um, the support of my um, Texas Woman's University family. That's where I first started um, under the direction of Dr. Rodriguez, who I constantly thank every day for showing me to be an advocate first and a teacher second. And that's how I've lived my whole career is I'm an advocate first, a teacher second, always. Um so definitely have had him and he has become such a great family friend um that you know he loves to retell the story of who Lizzie was. Um and sometimes I have to walk away. But, <laughs> 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 uh, but definitely um have the, the support and and not only that, him um him seeing how um, I have helped to evolve Beam. He was there in the beginning. He was one of the founders of Beam. So to see what Beam has become since then, um, I know, uh, you know, as long as he's proud, I'm proud.
0: That's all oh, that yeah. matters.
1: Um, my mom, who who, you know, pushed me, she was like, you know, hey, there's a scholarship, you need money, go be a teacher. <laughs> yep. Um, and to see that now, you know, I hold a doctorate in education. Um, You know, um, I I get invited to go talk to Bessel students at the universities um, to encourage and ignite their fire. Um, And I get to stay in touch with them. I love seeing how how they become teachers. Many of my Bessel students who I've gotten contact with at the local universities, I see them now as teachers and it's just amazing. And now as BEAM members, that's even better. Like, I love seeing that that full circle change that um, how I see them is how I hope my mentors have seen me grow um and then of course you know um my husband my loving husband who you know go he's he's my right hand and and tells the left to stop <laughs> and so um really he's he um sees the potential in me that you know um, I don't I've never seen it um so it's been amazing to have somebody in my corner all the time um just constantly pushing and pushing um and telling me you can do it don't be scared you you got it go um, so, uh, just definitely, um, he's my yeah. biggest rock, so. Yeah.
0: And your grandmother would yes. be proud as well? My
1: grandmother would. I think the most thing she's proud of is I could speak Spanish. That, <laughs> she, more uh, than when, just a customer. Yes, when we've gotten together a couple of times, she's asked me, you know, ¿Puedes hablar en español? I'm like, sí, my grandma, ¿yo puedo hablar español? Yo soy and she's like, ay, que bueno, que bueno. And I'm like, <laughs> definitely. What do you think I did in the classroom? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's probably been her. Uh, one thing she's always, every time we get together, she's like, you
0: can speak Spanish? Yes, I can. <laughs> there you go. Well, to my audience, first of all, to Liz, thank you so much, Dr. Garza Garcia, for joining us on this premiere episode and sharing your story. Hopefully, it's giving others, um, you know, the hope to stay with it, the hope to yes. reach out and build their networks, um, and to really keep doing the the hard, meaningful, important work of uh, bilingual and ESL education. So thank you for For coming on, but thank you more so for your career and for your service to our students. And to our audience, thank you for joining this first episode uh, of Summit K 12's uh, Educator Story Series. Uh, We hope to uh, bring these to you as often as possible. And if you do know of any other uh, educators or administrators that would uh, have a good story to share with us, please connect with us on social media or email us uh, or go to our website and let us know. And we'd love to feature your story or their story on an upcoming episode. Thanks again and always, always keep learning.